Our second reading comes from the Acts of the Apostles, and it begins in chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Open our ears, O God, to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you today and always. Amen. Well, it's a blessing and a gift to be able to share a witness with you today. And you know, what usually happens is you look in the bulletin and you don't see it announced for the next week, you know, what the sermon is. And so you go, they're bringing in a ringer. <laughs> you know, and so it's, I appreciate your coming, uh, knowing, uh, but I think someone had mentioned you don't have to listen when it's a, a substitute pastor. That's it. That's the only thing that, that that's, that's different. Well, you know, a couple weeks ago on June 9th, we celebrated Pentecost. 50 days after the resurrection, and it's considered the birthday of the church, right? We sang happy birthday uh, to the church. And it's a part of what we call the liturgical year. And it actually, it's the church calendar. It begins with Advent. And so the year is divided into seasons. And each of them have kind of their own mood um, and their theological emphasis. And sometimes they're distinguished by different ways of decorating churches, different colors or pyramids, uh, investments. You get all kinds of stole wars going on. You have scriptural readings and even themes for preaching if you follow what is called the lectionary. And the use of colors really has been around since about the 4th century and it's changed a little bit uh, over the time and as I'm sure you can imagine... In congregations of the United Church of Christ, we have the freedom to use them or not, uh, and, and to do what we'd like. So how many of you, though, did not grow up with the seasons and the colors and the pyramids and all of that? Be brave. You know, I didn't either. Um, and when I first started going to a church that used the liturgical calendar and had all the colors, I was lost. You know, I, I, it didn't... I didn't get it. But over time, it has become incredibly important to me. I take comfort in it. I expect it. It, it helps guide me in my faith journey as I walk through the year with the different seasons. And so it's become very important. Because, you know, the reality is that each 
church year, along with thousands and thousands of other Christian congregations, we celebrate and raise up the life of Jesus Christ. His birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, the ascension, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. You do know we tell the same story every year. (laughs) We, We don't have a different story. It's the same story every year. Why in the world would we tell the same story every year? Don't you remember it? (laughs) We tell the same story every year because stories tell us who we are. Because our stories are important. And they help define us and give us breath and life. How many of you growing up asked your parents over and over again to tell you about the day they were born? And how many times did your mother volunteer how long she was in labor? (laughs) How many times did you ask your parents, "Tell tell us about the first time you met? And how many times growing up did your families tell the same stories over and over again? Now, they changed a little bit. I don't know about you. My mother's ability to change the story was just legend. (laughs) But she had this one story that she told every time I had people over. And I quit inviting people because the story just kept getting bigger. But there's a lot of truth in it. And the reason it was an important story is because it told them a lot about who I was. We lived on this street that um, was a horseshoe. You know, and it went around and became another street, but it was all the same sidewalk, right? And then there was the across the street, and then it went around. But on this side, it was all Princeton, and then you came down and turned into Piedmont. But it was the same sidewalk. You could get all the way over there and not cross the street, right? I thought that was brilliant uh, because I was not allowed to cross the street. So I would ride my bike all the way around the horseshoe, clear back, and it looked like I was across the street, but I really wasn't across the street. (laughs) My mother loved to tell that story, because that's who I was. I was always just a tad defiant. And so that was a part of the story of our family. And so we tell the same story in church every year because it defines us as a people and as a community. So what season are we in now in the church year? Well, we're in what's called ordinary time, which I find a little offensive. I I don't know know what's so ordinary about it. But we also can call it kingdom tide or dominion tide, but it's the longest season of the church. And often the kind of emphasis in ordinary time is the mission of the church, the purpose of the church. And we've heard that since Pentecost, talking in Acts about the the apostles. And there is no better way to explore our beginning and what our story is as a people than the stories found in the Acts of the Apostles. Because Acts is the most comprehensive record 
of the spiritual and political movement that gave birth to the early Christian church. It was written sometime between 70 and 90 CE. Most scholars believe that Luke and Acts were written together, but they really don't know who wrote it. I know it says Luke and Luke, but we we don't know who wrote most things. Uh, And it begins with the resurrection of Jesus, and it chronicles the deliberations and the actions of the church in Jerusalem, and then the spread of Christianity across Greece and Asia Minor, and culminates in Paul's very public Christian presence in Rome. And theologian Susan Johnson, I love the way she describes the early church. She says it was a tentative movement and a street festival, a subversive activity and a public forum, a new current within Judaism and its own distinct and separate religion. I love that. It was a movement that transformed the world. And we are heirs to that movement. The Acts of the Apostles are the stories of our forebearers, those who began that street festival and that subversive activity and that public forum that has become the body of Christ. I love that, that we are heirs. And so their story is our story. And the reading today in Acts 2 is often used as an emblem, a symbol of what the early Christian community looked like. And if we look at those few yet powerful verses, we learn that the early followers of Jesus, or the way as they called it, they were devoted to learning and to fellowship and to prayers They were filled with awe and the Holy Spirit was working in their lives. They spent considerable time in the temple. They had glad and generous hearts. And they tried to demonstrate goodwill to all people. And you know, sometimes we overlook those amazing characteristics of the early church. And we focus instead on how they interacted with each other. We focus on, did they really share all their goods with each other? (laughs) Did they really take care of everybody so completely? There's no way that would work today. And then we, we look at the numbers of people who were converted, because if you look at verse 40, after Peter had preached, it talks about 3,000 were converted. And we say, well, surely that's just metaphorical. We downplay it. And when we do that, and we overlook what the early Christians were like, we, we miss the power of what these verses are communicating and the timelessness of their message. Because the reality is that numerical growth and sacrificial giving are the effects, not the cause, of the growth of the early church. They were the result of. The church grew out of the rich faith of these early Christians. So what the key is, is the connection between the birth of the church 
and the divine work of the Spirit in these early Christians. And I, I wonder what it would have been like to walk among them. Because, you know, think of it. It's first century Rome. And that's not a really good time to be alive, really. It, wasn't, it was better to be Roman than not, but it still wasn't real great. And, you know, their lives were in poverty, most of them. Every day was about trying to earn enough and work hard enough so that they could feed their family. And if they were followers of Jesus, it was a pretty difficult time. And it wasn't that, and it wasn't that Jesus taught something altogether new and different. It was that Jesus actually lived it out. He lived out loving people. And so they were just in awe of who this person was and what happened. And, and so when they would talk to each other, maybe at work or maybe in the market when they're fishing or in shepherds in the fields. They didn't talk about doctrine, because there wasn't any then, was there? They didn't talk about what the polity was, what the rules were. They didn't talk about who was in and who was out. They didn't talk about worship style, what's traditional worship. and They didn't talk about any of that, did they? Because it didn't exist. So what in the world did they talk about? Well, you know, because it was, it was before the Apostles' Creed, It was before Constantine made Christianity the state religion. It was before Martin Luther and the Reformation. It was before the pilgrims. It was before the endless array of denominations and the endless mass of polity and doctrine. And it was before the religious right and the progressive left. So what did they talk about? I think they told their stories. I think they either said, I met this man, Jesus, or I've heard of this man, Jesus. And here's what he's teaching. And it has changed me. He really does believe in loving everybody. He really does say we should take care of everybody. It was a simple story. This street festival... (laughs) this public forum, this subversive activity. But it changed them. And it began a movement that has transformed the world. Well, what about us? You know, that's the early story, but what about us? Are we capable of being filled with awe and amazement, of having glad and generous hearts? Can we be devoted to learning and fellowship and prayers? We're the four, there are forebears, but we've inherited that movement. We've inherited a movement that offers transformation and redemption. We're inheritors of a movement that over and over again said, love people without judgment. We're inheritors of a movement that over and over again brought in those who were marginalized and set apart. Over and over again, we're inheritors of a movement that created community. And over and over again, we're inheritors of a movement that inspired awe and amazement. So do you think we need that today? in the midst of the turmoil of our world and our country? 
in the midst of the never-ending ecclesiastical and denominational struggles, in the midst of all that encompasses congregational life. So let us remember our heritage. Let us remember our story and tell it over and over again. Because the key is, what is your story? What is the story of your being filled with awe and amazement? Because I know you all have one. Whether you have been a part of this church or part of any church all your life or just a short time, there is a story there of what moved you and what brought you to this place today, what keeps you here. And it gets all covered over with all kinds of life stuff. But that story is there. And I encourage you to find it. Because that's the story we share with the world. Is our story. That's unique and can only be told by us. Because the truth is, we are our stories. And if we forget them, we will forget who we are. And if we forget who we are, it will diminish the power that we possess to move the world forward in love and reconciliation. Amen.
be seated. Please join your hearts with mine in prayer. Be present, Spirit of God, within us, your dwelling place and home, that this house may be one where all darkness is penetrated by your light, all troubles calmed by your peace, all evil redeemed by your love, all pain transformed in your suffering, and all dying glorified in your risen life. Amen. God, we offer thanks for this day and for the opportunity to be be together in worship. And during this time, may we be able to put aside the concerns of our daily lives and let go of all the demands that crowd upon us and simply be present here to your spirit and your words. In the spirit of the psalm, may we be still and know that you are God. We offer prayers of thanksgiving for life and all those things that make life good in these high summer days, surrounded by nature's beauty, we offer gratitude for the abundance and fertility of the earth. The wonders of nature take us unaware and raise our hearts to you. Help us in our gratitude not to take this abundance and beauty for granted. Help us as we work to maintain the health and beauty of the earth for generations to come. Help us as well as we seek to make this good earth a safe home for all your children. We confess that though your earth is abundant, many of your children live in poverty and want. We know from your words through prophets and apostles that this is neither your will nor your purpose. Sustain us with the gift of hope as we do as we work to do your will, so that all people might share fairly in the good things of your creation. We bring to you our concerns for peace in our community and the world. We bring our concerns for gun violence in whatever form it takes. We bring our concerns for refugees and for those living with fear of deportation. And we bring to you our personal concerns for our family and our friends. In all these things, we ask for the strength to face the hard realities of our world, not to despair, but to stand with the vulnerable, the victims of violence and injustice, and those who live on the margins of life. Amidst our concerns, we bring you our joys, joy that we are here today gathered together in your presence. And we come together now in one voice to pray the prayer that you taught us. Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Amen. Amen. 